This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Matt Saunders has become the super sub at Matt Stone Racing. We find out about how he was able to help engineer Jack LeBrock to his second win of his career and first win for the team coming in to support during the paternity leave of Jack Cialotto, the regular engineer. Yeah, like it's a really unfortunate circumstance, to be honest, to kind of swan in and you know the results we did. I genuinely feel for the guy because, you know, he's the one that's been putting all the hours in at the workshop, getting the car prepped, he's done all the previous rounds, was sitting in on our debriefs and all that sort of stuff. So for him to be having to watch it at home from the TV, I'm sure was devastating. Matt Saunders talks about their weekend in Darwin for Matt Stone Racing and it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel and we're with one of the winning young men of Matt Stone Racing, that being Matt Saunders, who is Filling in this weekend for Jack Bellotti, who's on uh, maternity leave with his wife. But Matt, welcome uh, to Inside Supercars. Fantastic to have you here so soon after having the ultimate glory of uh, a race win with Jack LeBrock in that last race at Darwin. Yeah, cool result, cool weekend. Um, thanks for having me on. Now, you've worked with Matt Stone for a bit, I understand. Uh, yes, I worked with Matty for half of the 2021 season um, with Jake Kostecki there. Filled the season out. They obviously had uh, a few engineers um, that were stepping in and out there with Jake. Um, so, yeah, worked with them previously, moved off in 2022, did some different stuff, and then got the call up to go and help out at Darwin. Code Racing. I visited them last year when I was up to the Gold Coast round, and uh, I've known uh, Jim Stone for 25, 30 years, um, and known Matt probably equally amount of time. And I know that those cars were built well and truly in that workshop there. I saw Jim on the welding tools, and uh, they are Matt Stone Racing Camaros, as you well know, I'm certain. Certain. Yeah, 100%. You can see that those guys have built them. They know them inside and out. We obviously had a bit of an accident in race two on Sunday just before um, our good result, and, you know, the whole team was in there. Matty was on the tools. He knew exactly what was going on, what parts we needed to pull from the truck. Uh, those guys know those cars inside and out. Yep, they've definitely been built in that MSR workshop, um, yeah, to a pretty high standard. We've heard a bit this season about repairability. Having parachuted in like you have, 
what are your thoughts on the repairability able to turn around for a race-winning car in race three? Yeah, it's interesting. I see some things are really good and then other things are a little bit questionable. Um, we had a similar incident to the one in race two, to be honest, in race one the previous day. And albeit it wasn't quite as bad, but, you know, obviously when you've got a little bit more time and you're being a little bit more thorough and worrying about the cosmetics, it took a significant time to fix that on Saturday night. We had to break curfew to get that repair done. Um, and then to have a similar one again on the Sunday, albeit, you know, the rear bar was held together with cable ties and the underneath had bits and pieces of tape on it. Um, we achieved the same result. We got what we needed to. We made sure it was set up right on the patch. But in terms of getting the cosmetic parts right or the panel work, yeah, it's interesting from the outside coming in, having worked with the previous gen car. That's one of the things I like looking and seeing of a race car at the weekend is seeing the battle scars from right over the two days of racing. All too often, it was so easy to uh, throw on a new panel or or put a sticker over it that you don't appreciate the beating they've they've literally gotten over the course of the journey. Yeah, hundred percent. If you look at the way the car rolled out on Friday and how it rolled back into the truck on Sunday, it looked like it had a pretty hard life. Uh, I guess some of that stuff isn't as critical anymore, given in many respects the arrows obviously drop significantly. So. If the panel gap isn't perfect, it's not as critical as what it used to be, whereas with the old gen bars, you kind of had to get all that stuff right or you were losing downforce and all the other bits and pieces that came with that. So it genuinely meant performance, whereas I think with this new car, it's slightly different to that. Does that have to change the way you think about your car balance and even overthinking certain aspects because the old car was like that and you carry that mindset forward? Um, yeah, because you do have to think about it a little bit more. You still want to get everything right. Um, but in some instances, you know, you're not pulling the front splitter off every night to re-bog it and ceramic it and make sure the thing's perfectly level so you're getting the highest level of downforce you can. Um, you're more worried about mechanically how we're going to make this thing faster and all the bits and pieces that come with that. So. There's a bit of a shift there. You don't want to give it all away because it's all still important. But, yes, the focus has definitely shifted. Matt, looking at your results over the seven or so sessions, that's from practice on the Friday, building, 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 it's quite noticeable that you peaked for that last race. Uh, you know, the, the steady movement forward, you had an upset win that, uh, that uh, first race on Sunday. Um, but do you see... Um, the way in which you are able to pull the car forward by giving Jack a nicer car for each session? Yeah, I think it was just building on what we had. Like, to be fair, the car rolled out of the truck reasonably competitive. I don't think we necessarily showed that. We had a bit of an issue in P1 um, that kind of upset the flow a little bit. I think most of the people at the start of the weekend with the tyres were doing their laps quite early in the session, and by the end, if you didn't get a good run at the start, then... It kind of looked like you were uncompetitive. Based upon that, we kind of were hoping we had a pretty good car. We just kept chipping away at it, not trying to toolbox it as many people refer to it as and just build upon what was good and try and fix the stuff that wasn't. And by Sunday, we were well in the mix, uh, put it all together in Q3, obviously, and were able to convert it for the third race. So 
yeah, just very small things, chipping away, um, just building on what we had. Uh, we'll go back to your other job, that being with Nash Morris for Townsville, is that correct? Yep, yeah, I'll be back with Nash um, for Townsville. You've got the debrief to happen now with uh, for Jack's win on the Sunday, and then Nash Morris. Now, as uh, you and I both spoke previously about, that you know Nash is proving himself to be not only an extremely capable young driver, but a delightful young man. And somebody that makes it really, you know, wonderful to go to work with, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, they're a really good group of people. They obviously want to get results and want to do all the right things. Um, so same thing. We're just chipping away there, trying to build what we've got, think, uh, focus on the things that we want to improve, and hopefully we can get some results from that. And I think sometimes people forget how competitive Super 2 is. We might be in the lower category, but you're still running – Main, but arguably it's harder. You don't have relationships in many instances with the main game teams, the engineering power that comes with that, the mechanics to run the car. Super 2 is exceptionally competitive. So to be at the pointy end of that field, um, you've got to be ticking all the boxes. Your journey has been quite an interesting one. How did you get the interest in motorsport in the first instance to want to then take a career through engineering? Um, so since the day I was born, actually, uh, motorsport was on the TV. Dad has always been a massive lover of motorsport and, you know, I would go to the Gold Coast 600, uh, back indie days, you know, every year tag along, we'd go to Queensland Raceway. And when I was in my younger teenage years, I remember standing at the back of Red Bull, you know, pointing at, it was either Dado or JJ at the time going, I want to go and do whatever that guy does, having no idea what he was doing. Um, you know, learnt a little bit about it, you know, worked out, had to go to uni, get an engineering degree. Um, so I went down that path, studied pretty hard at school and then was just knocking on doors, knocked on Scotty Taylor's door. He was looking for a mechanic, uh, ended up getting my foot in there as a floor sweeper effectively and tire guy, uh, and then progressed my way through. And yeah, I guess looking at it now, I've nearly been in the industry for eight years, which seems long and short at the same time given I'm only six so for the best part it's been motorsport involved pretty heavily in it so what was it like then last year walking in the doors at triple eight to work on that wild card program with Declan Fraser and considering that so many years before that was the the people that you were looking up to and and inspired to become yeah, I guess um, the main thing there, I wasn't on the wild card. I was Super 2 only. Um, so there was that. But previously, when I was with Scotty Taylor, we ran the Mercedes GT program, obviously. Uh, and we had a bit of a relationship there with Triple Eight. Scotty bought some cars. We obviously ran the Vodafone car the year that we had Shane, Craig, um, and Jamie in the car. So there was a little bit of a relationship there. I'd worked with a lot of the guys previously when I went to Team 18. We are obviously on customer support there. Um, I knew everybody at T8 already before I walked in the door there. But, yeah, it's really, really cool to work with the people that initially you're aspiring, um, you know, to follow in their footsteps. So getting to work so- alongside those guys, see how they operate um, and how they go about motorsport uh, was really, really cool. Now, you mentioned you spent some time at Team 18. So on Saturday, you guys were having... A solid run, but what did you think, being that 
there was a a group of people that you worked with previously getting the monkey off their back with their first win. Yeah, I can believe it. I was stoked for them. You know, we didn't have the best of races on Saturday, but, you know, I ran out to the pit lane and as those guys were all running down from their garage, giving them a pat on the back and as Frosty came back from um, the podium, you know, giving him a big pat on the back as well. Me and Frosty are still very good mates. We go water skiing every now and then. We have a common passion in that. Uh, so, yeah, it was really, really cool to see those guys get a result because I know how hard that team's been working for so many years to go with only a few podiums to finally get that monkey off the back would have been really, really cool for those guys. And then a day later, you got that experience firsthand. Yeah, it was literally the flip side, you know. Um, all of a sudden, those guys were coming down from their garage to come find us, to give us a pat on the back. So, you know, I think that's one thing that Gen 3 has done at the moment. It's opening up for the smaller teams to get some results. And I think nobody in the pit lane uh, has any ambiguity about that and is pretty proud of the whole pit lane when they can see somebody new, a new driver, a new team, or engineer, whatever it is, starting to get some results in this new formula. You are working on the previous car and flipping this weekend to the new one. Did you like the tools that you had at your disposal with that car? Yeah, a few people have questioned me on that. In terms of the toolbox that you've got in the car, ignoring the aero component, this, the toolbox that you've got is very, very similar. Um, you know, you've got all your springs, your roll bars, albeit they're not adjustable from in the car, so that's something you've got to think about. But in terms of the way you go about tuning the car, it's very, very similar to how it's been done historically. You know, a lot of it is either the same rear geometry in many instances or um, it's been designed by T8. So I've been under that philosophy for quite a few years now through Team 18 or Super 2 or the wild cards and stuff. Um, so, yeah, for me it was very, very similar. It didn't seem that unknown or foreign to me. One of the interesting things I just discovered was that the uh, Porsche 917s, and in fact most competition Porsches, use that same full disc that's uh, the common link uh, in, in our category and has been for 30-odd years. Um, that's something that you obviously were well acquainted with and knew the way to engineer around that, that diff uh, situation. Yeah, I guess, as I said, um, the buff was a little bit different for me when I did like Carrera Cup and GT. You obviously don't have the lock diff, but in terms of supercars, you know, we've been trying to get around that issue for as long as I've been involved in supercars. So the toolbox is kind of there. It's just how you deploy it. Um, so, yeah, not too foreign or uncommon, I guess. I imagine that you've had a conversation with Jack. You've set him a benchmark now, and it's pretty high. So has he sort of cursed you or thanks? Yeah, like it's a really unfortunate circumstance, to be honest, to kind of swan in and you know the results we did. I genuinely feel for the guy because, you know, he's the one that's been putting all the hours in at the workshop, getting the car prepped. He's done all the previous rounds. We're sitting in on our debriefs and all that sort of stuff. So for him to be having to watch it at home from the TV, I'm sure, was devastating. I'm sure those guys will get results again in the not-too-distant future. Um, I'll definitely be barracking for them. We've spoken on the phone. Um, you know, I thanked him. He thanked me. I think the relationship there is pretty good. Uh, I'm sure that you'd be well aware that 
certainly Matt, uh, well, the team and, and Jack had been showing signs all this year through the Grand Prix and Tassie and Perth. Um, so it wasn't totally out of left field that suddenly Jack's on the front row. Um, fantastic for the team, and I'm sure that uh, you're about to head off for a debrief for the weekend, are you? Yeah, like those guys have been building all year. They've been slowly getting faster and faster. You saw the result they had at Tassie. Um, so it was there. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Um, you know, they just had to link it all together and execute on the day. And I think that's what we did on the Sunday. We made sure we ticked the important boxes. We did the things that we knew were important um, and put it together. So, yeah, we'll go into debrief. Those guys will, I'm sure, have some good conversations leading into the next one. Um, yeah, and as I said, I hope they get some more results because they deserve them. Thank you very much, Matt Saunders, for joining us on Inside Supercars after a great weekend with a win. First race win for, uh, not for Jack LeBrock, that's his second, but first one for the Matt Stone team. And uh, I'm sure you'll walk a bit taller as I, as is certain that uh, Nash Morris will as well, knowing he's got a race-winning engineer in his corner. Thank you very much, Matt Saunders, for joining us on Inside Supercars. Enjoy Townsville, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. No problem. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.